Hello, and welcome to Encouraging Parenting Podcast. This month, I will have follow-up discussions with my previous guest. So much has happened in the world in the past six months, and so much has happened in the lives of my podcast guests. Let's listen and find out what they are doing now. Now I'm here with my girl, Sherry Y. Smith. She's the first person I interviewed from Finances and Side Hustle to Wealth, the July 2020, episode one. Hello, Sherry. Woo, woo. Hello, Jacqueline. Oh, I'm still feeling so special about being your first guest. Thanks again. Sherry, can you believe it's been six months? I can't. Mm. It, it went by so, so fast. It did. A lot has happened nationwide in those six months, too. Yes. Uh, a lot has happened even with within my podcast guests. And that's why I wanted to have this follow-up to let people know what was going on with my podcast guests. Mm-hmm. But before I get into everything that you've done and are doing, I wanted to tell you about some response I got back from a listener. Her name is Serena Smith, but she asked me about being on your show. She listened when you interviewed me about starting a podcast and she wanted to know how did I get into podcasting? Is this something I always wanted to do? And I wanted her to know I had no clue. It it just happened suddenly. I can remember doing the work to get it started, but I don't even remember when I made up my mind to say, this is what I'm going to do. But she should know that you were the one that sent me the information. I was having a conversation with you and I said, I'm going to do a podcast. And then as soon as we hung up the phone, I got an email with a note about exactly what to do and how to get in contact. <laughs> and, do it. and I jumped on it and I did it. And she asked me how much time and effort do I put into the podcast? Um, each month and I put in hours because you know I do my research and I have to record and edit and have it displayed and I put in hours because the information matters to me and the listeners matter to me and Mm -hmm. I want to put something together that I would listen to and her next question was how do I find the show topics And interestingly enough, the show topics find me with things that are happening. I could be talking to someone on the phone or uh, like your event came up and it's useful information in in times now, things that we need right now and they come to me. So I'm I'm thankful for that. It's it's really just a a leading of the Lord. And with that said, Ms. Smith, let our listeners know, let my, let my listeners know what's going on with you. Wow. Uh, first, let me say again, Jack, well, I am so very proud of you. I have listened to all of your podcast episodes. You are killing it. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Now, for me, uh, one of the things that's happened since we last spoke I finished up a lifelong goal that I have been working on for quite a few years. I am now officially 
Dr. Sherry Y. Smith. I Yay! completed my doctorate. <laughs> Yay! So that was a lot of work. So that was one of the main things I finished up this year. And of course, you know that during COVID, I created the Side Hustle to Wealth Summit that was pretty successful. So right now, yes. we are working on Side Hustle to Wealth Summit 2021. And Ooh. every year, that will be the last week in July. So please stay tuned for that. It's sponsored by my website a life of financial freedom.com so that's another that's something that came out of covid that we are hard and working on again now i also wrote a book during the last since the last podcast you did with me and it is called help broken need money <laughs> strategies if you're short on cash um, it gives you inspirational strategies to help you get out of that bondage of broke and live the life you desire and you deserve. You can learn about creating a budget, ways to kickstart your finances, lucrative side hustles, and so much more. A lot of the information can be found on my website, but this is the way to find all of it in one general area. And you can also it, also, it also has additional information more than is on the website. You can find that book mm -hmm. on my website, alifeoffinancialfreedom.com backslash resources. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's pretty much <laughs> quite a bit of what I've been working on since your original podcast episode with me. Well, that's quite a bit, a quite accomplishment. Now, I want to know, can you tell my listeners a little more about you finishing your doctorate, how, how long you really had been working on it and how you had to put it off and pick it up again and put it off and how COVID just locked you in and you had a made up mind, I was going to do it. Can you, because it's big for us because this is a second stage for you. This is something after retirement. Your mm -hmm. daughter is grown and you picked up and people are thinking, well, if you're over 50, you know, what am I gonna do? And this is what we share with them, women like you who are starting a new career. So as your listeners may know from that first episode, I did do my round one retirement <laughs> in September of 2019. And once I did my retirement, my goal was to build up my website and some more things. Pinterest, I love, that's how I get most of the um, listener, the people to come to my website. So I'm a big Pinterest and Canvas person, Canva person. And I also decided in there, okay, it's time to finish up this doctorate to um, as a part of my legacy. So right before COVID happened, and, and actually once I retired, that was one of the main goals that I had. Hey, let's finish up this doctorate and get it out of the way. It took me over five years. I'm not going to sit here and depress myself and tell <laughs> the exact number of years it took, but it did take a while to finish it because I would start, then I'd get on a big project at work, have to set it aside, or you know something in my personal life would happen, have to set it aside. 
once I retired, I felt, hey, there's no excuse, Sherry. Let's let's put a DR in front of this Sherry name. So I just went full force with it. And that's what happened. COVID was a time for me to do a lot of reflecting and creativity. And again, that's where Side Hustle to Wealth Summit came out of COVID. Very good. Very good. Well, Sherry, thank you for taking the time to give us this follow-up on you. We're all so happy for you. And I want to ask you to leave my listeners with some words of encouragement. For me, that would be to never give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Five minutes before your miracle. Have you ever heard that? Don't give up five minutes before your miracle. So Mm -hmm. even when you feel like you are so down and out or you've tried a website or you've tried to get the promotion at work, whatever it is, don't give up because oftentimes we give up five minutes before our miracle. Don't be that person. Know that it's coming. Great, great. Well, thank you, Dr. Sherry Y. Smith. Thank you for your time. Love you much. Love you too, Jacqueline. Bye-bye. And now we will follow up with Vanessa Velez White from our August podcast about encouraging learning during the pandemic. Today, I am talking with Vanessa Velez White. You remember the school teacher, the homeschool teacher, the (laughs) mom of Three or four, is it four? Four, yes. Yes, the mom of four who had a sudden change and she wasn't just virtual schooling for her students. Now she's virtual schooling. Her house is basically turned into a school. <laughs> yes, so it is. follow up with Vanessa and see what has been going on. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to try to... To, to be calm about this, but you know, I want to know about your schooling at home. I want to know about the children that you're uh, schooling on your regular job. I want to know about your daughter and the decision that she made. And sounds like she's doing the soccer. I want to know about your son and how his schedule's going. So <laughs> give it all to me. <laughs> well, um, so not there were a lot of changes, but some of it didn't change, which um, my college age student, he decided to go online. He did not feel comfortable returning to campus um, and living with people that he, you know, could not necessarily control or deal with. So he made a determination that he would continue his semester online um, from home. So he stayed at home. Um, My daughter made this decision to go back into school. And so she has been attending school Um, The school has done a really good job of creating an environment where students could choose to be in class or choose to be at home. Um, It was a little touch and go, but they have made it so um, every student has an opportunity to watch the classes online as they're happening. So basically, teachers who are in her teachers are doing a dual, you know, they're they're doing uh, roomies and zoomies, right? So they have kids in their room and they have zoomers coming in. Um, Mm -hmm. my daughter has chosen to attend school. Um, there really has not been too much disruption. Uh, we do get notifications pretty much on a weekly basis of a student in her program that has, um, come down or been positive 
with COVID. And so uh, we do get notifications of that, but she has not been directly impacted by that, um, thankfully. And then my youngest, my 12 year old, he is doing virtual schooling, um, actual virtual schooling. And it has been interesting, I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's better because the, you know, the curriculum is all available to him through the programming that we're using, but it's harder for me because managing his time while still managing my students mm -hmm. has been difficult. Um, one huge, huge chain, change was that our virtual school, we almost tripled in size. Oh my so goodness. where we were already kind of bursting at the seams, um, I was, you know, in my foreign language department, there's only two teachers uh, last year, we've now grown to five. So, oh um, and I'm the senior in the department. So I am basically mentoring and, and um, training other teachers. Yeah. Um, so that has actually taken a, a surprise, taken up a, a huge chunk of my day actually is just mentoring and working with other teachers on top of managing my own classroom and then um, working with my own son. So it has been, um, stressful. Oh my goodness. And so the last time I spoke with you, it seemed as if you and your younger son had worked things out that, you know, as long as he got the work done, he didn't have to have it get up early in the morning. You know, you were flexible on your schedule and it allowed you to have time in the afternoons to work with him to make sure he got his work done. Is that not so anymore? Is that not the case anymore? Well, that is still kind of the case. We are still on that kind of a schedule. However, because I have more students, I have more preps because mm -hmm. I'm now teaching three classes where last year I only taught two, this year I'm teaching three. Um, and I have 70 more students this year than I did last year. So the, the workload for me has increased where last year I could kind of shut down a little bit early between three and four and really work with my son. Now we're looking at him being, he's actually being extremely independent. Uh, right. We have like folders for him and basically I'm like, okay, what are you working on today? And he's like, I'm working on this. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> okay. um, so I, I'm not um, sitting next to him, dragging him through it. I do have to stop quite often during my work afternoon to help him with technical difficulties, right. you know, simple things like, um, you know, making sure the document that he's working on is downloaded so that he can actually type into it and save it, um, trying to help him maneuver which resources are the best. Um, we have struggled, uh, definitely our, our math is not where we want it to be. Mm -hmm. But he is thriving in other areas. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm taking the good with the bad. <laughs> right. Wow. And so, and so Vanessa, tell me about the the other part, like the, the home life, like your daughter. Okay, you said she went back to school. So, but then you also mentioned her being in soccer. So mm -hmm. her activities continue. So are you still having to attend her practices and her games? And <laughs> well, she she did she still works with her league team, which is only twice a week. And then those games, there's, they're not as many. She um, has still stuck by her decision to not play on the varsity team at school, which is every single day of the week um, during this time. They're actually right in the middle of their season. 
Um, and so there's, you know, if there's not practice, there's games for varsity. Um, mm -hmm. She's currently working and volunteering. Oh. So oh um, she is still playing soccer, but in a way that doesn't cause stress with a right. team that doesn't cause undue stress. And mm -hmm. so she has really stuck with her decision. And it's funny that you would mention it because I asked her about it the other day because, you know, her friends are seniors and senior night is coming up. And I said to her, well, are you going to at least go out and, and, you know, support your friends who are seniors? And she said, oh, absolutely. I will do that. And I said, well, mm -hmm. do you, do you feel bad? And, and, you know, do you, regret your decision she said absolutely not <laughs> very definitively and she was like I feel so you know um relieved to be able to not feel that level of stress and so uh, we just kind of laughed about that now for your son is he in any um extracurricular activities not at, at the moment no, okay. not at the moment. The, the one thing that he loved was playing steel drums. And that group um, at the school that he was at is not even meeting for this semester. So, you know, that was one of the reasons that we chose to not um, send him back to that school. Um, at this point, I don't think I'll ever get him back into a brick and mortar school, chocolate. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he really loves. I think what he really loves is having control over his day. So, yeah. you know, if he wants to do civics today, then he gets to do civics today. If he wants to do right. science tomorrow, he'll do science tomorrow. Yeah. Um, he's actually already done with his science course. So I, you know, I think that he really likes the flexibility and the sense of being in charge of his own day. Um, yes. I think it's one of the things that he really likes. Um, but he is not involved in other activities. He ha has taken up mountain biking, which is weird because we're in Florida and there's like no mountains, but there's a really nice trail very close to where we live. And that's been his one activity. He's not in soccer. Um, and we're talking about maybe him taking a coding class coming up relatively soon. Have you seen any um, mental effects, I mean, mental benefits positive benefits or negative effects on any of them? Um, I would say actually that there was a, for my 12 year old, I think there was a positive effect mm. because um, he, although, you know, people always say, oh, your kid isn't going to socialize. That's always the biggest argument. Oh, against. Yeah, right. And so we know this, but um, you know, people were, are so worried. And, and even my own family, like, well, are you going to put him back in school? I'm like, no, he's loving what he's doing. Why would I send him back to somewhere that, you know, I've, he's crying every day before he has to go. So why would I do that to him? So, um, but one of the positive effects I have seen in him is that he often felt that he was having these kind of negative experiences with the adults on the campus. Um, and he talked a lot about when we have talked about what he has enjoyed about not being on campus, one of the things that he has said is not having to deal with teachers, which I find to be crazy, but he has enjoyed the inner, the limited interaction that he's had with mm. the teachers that he's had has, it's always been positive. Mm. All of his teachers have been extremely kind and they have been really helpful. And so because we are, he's not having that, everyday 
interaction, I think that he has really felt confident in ways that he hadn't before. How is it working as for its um, chores or, you know, the lunch breaks or um, just, the, just the fact that everybody's there all the time? How are, is that working out? Um, <laughs> that is a really good question. I think, <laughs> um, I don't, we have not mastered a system. Okay. It, it is definitely, um, hey, I need you to do this. And then, yes. and they go, okay, yes. And they go do it. Um, I had, I actually thought about that today because, um, I was like, dude, these towels have been here dried, <laughs> clean, dried, and they're sitting on the, I'm like, I've been working a 12 hour day lately. Like, do I need to, do I really need to ask someone to do this? And I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, I, I was questioning my own parenting at that time going, why haven't I set up a system? But I understand that part of it too, is that like my two oldest children, they, um, they go to school, but they also work. Both of right. them do. And so, um, you know, I, I have to, I try to balance in my mind, you know, as a parent, like, yes. okay, I want them to contribute, but I also know that they're out of the house because they're doing things, you know? Right. So um, a lot of the chores ends up actually up on my 12 year old and he has been really receptive. You know, anytime I ask him to do anything, he's still thankfully at the age where he goes, okay, mom. And he does it. Yes. I, I know that sooner or later that will come yes. to an end. Yeah, it's going to be sooner than later. You only have a few more years. <laughs> I, if, I was thinking I only have about a few more months because he turns 13 in January. And oh, I'm like, yeah. oh gosh, it's it's really going to be like a hard stop in January. Do, do your classes, uh, you have three. And so the, the third class that you have, is it a mixture of, of the students that have done virtual schooling before and new school students, or is it all new students? Um, all of my classes are a mix. So the with the courses that I teach, I have a mix in each class of students who are new and students who have been here before. Now, do you find parents or students complain that the students who have been there before, that they're being slowed down or held back because of the new students, because of how you're having to go over things constantly for the new students? Are there some conflicts there? Um, there are not conflicts in that sense because really students are self-paced. The curriculum is encapsulated um, online and there's right. nothing that I'm teaching that they can't, you know, go ahead or, I mean, that's the beauty of our institution is that all of the curriculum is contained online. It's not something I have to teach. They have access to all of the material. So um, we don't necessarily have that. I have heard, however, parents who are um, veteran parents say that they can see that their teachers are overwhelmed because we mm -hmm. are dealing with so many more students. They can mm -hmm. see that the turnaround for grading has slowed down. They can see that mm -hmm. the turnaround for um, communication when they're trying to really reach their teachers has slowed down. Those are the comments that I've heard um, um, okay. at, you know, when I have heard comments. I'm glad that you did uh, explain that so that we can be more mindful of that and more mindful of the stress that our teachers are going through. So Vanessa, first I want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to have this follow-up time with you. And as always, in this time, Please 
give the listeners some encouraging words. Oh boy, um, I wish I would have thought about this beforehand. But <laughs> really, really, um, I think what I would say to your listeners who are parents managing decisions at this time is that um, try, yes, you want to gather as much information as possible because that's uh, when we're trying to make decisions for our children, we're always trying to gather all the information and weighing pros and cons and trying to figure out how things should go. I think that as parents, we have to give ourselves an opportunity to take a break and really um, be present in the moment. I am so blessed that I'm going to have this weekend to be with my daughter and my children in Savannah. And I was just thinking to myself, like, oh, I should bring my computer and I, because I can do work. And I stopped myself before I even finished that sentence and said, no, that computer stays in your house. You go and be present with your children. And so in this time where, parents are working from home and being with children and homeschooling or trying to make decisions about what they're doing. I hope that in this time, they will find time to be present with Mm. their children and Mm. present in a way that's not worrying about what's next, putting the phone down, whatever it is where you can disconnect from everything outside of you and be present with your children because that time is fleeting and you can't get it back. Yes. Oh, that's good. That's good, Vanessa. You know what? I'm glad you didn't have time to think about it before now. (laughs) (laughs) That's really, really good. Vanessa, it was nice talking with you. And thank you, Jacqueline. I really appreciate you. (laughs) You saying to you, and and I tell your daughter, I hope she wins. I will. I will. I'll have to give you an email update on how it works out. Great. Okay. Have a great evening. You too, Jacqueline. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Goodbye. Goodbye. So now I'm following up on our September podcast, a conversation about menopause. And this conversation was held with Joyce Rice and my dear friend, Paula Ann Rook. I did get a question from Sabrina Smith, and these were her comments. She said, I was cycle free and hot flashes and night sweats were present. I was living my best life being cycle free. And my doctor had told me what to do to take care of my hot flashes. Said, then I listened to the podcast on September the 5th. My husband and I were laughing. We enjoyed everything. She said, why? That night, while I was preparing for bed, my cycle started. She oh, said, wow. She said, why is my cycle suddenly present? The moment I get informative information about menopause, it decides to show up and has been present monthly ever since. Oh, wow. She, I know. And she asked me, did this happen to me? And um, I wanted to respond to her and let her know that it it did happen to me, but only for me, it had been 11 months and then it came on and I had to start all over again. So it's a part of it. It's not just her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Anne would say, as far as the hot flashes, you know, they come in season. Yes. Yeah. And so... I want to ask you, first of all, Joyce, is, is there anything that 
you thought about after the podcast that you want to share with the listeners or tell them about what you're doing now going forward in that particular area? Um, the only thing I could think of, I gathered feedback from a family member that listened. And one of the points that she made was that she would like to hear more about um, nutrition, uh-huh. which that's something you and I, we talk about a great deal. So right. let's just say since then, I've learned more and more about nutrition. And so what I did, I, I just started seeking out books about, um, an example would be say nutrition about, um, I'm trying to think of something I would search for to make it simple for everyone. I think it's things, I do things such as uh, nutrition or or just say if you're looking for a good one is keto diet. That's a pretty good one because that one is kind of similar to what are we dealing with menopause as far as different things to eat, like specific type things. Um, I also, I've been reading about things such as phytoestrogens. Those are things that mimic um, estrogen in the body. I'm trying to think of some other things that I've been reading about. It's just so much um, out there to read about. I read, I know I read a book at least probably per week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to learn as much as I can as far as you know, to be able to see, you know, different foods that either I need to start, you know, really incorporating per week or, you know, some things that I may need to get rid of. Because there's some things I've seen, let's see, dairy has been a big one mm-hmm. as far as I've seen a lot. Like mm-hmm. a lot of authors talk about um, dairy and how it affects, you know, our body, our mental state, things like that. But other than that, that's all I can think of would be nutrition. Like for those that are listening, it's very important now for us to really seek out books. I read that means you want to see a nutrition, you know, nutritionist or whatever. But to because really that's the key, because what I want to do, I want to um, really deal with this thing naturally. One of the things I heard you say, you and I were talking and you said that um, you could tell that the changes that you were making were um, beginning to help and you were moving in the right direction because your hair stopped thinning. Oh yeah. Can you talk about that a little more? Yeah. So yeah, shortly, yep. Shortly after I stopped taking the birth control, you know, I took it for so many years. Mm-hmm. And so shortly after I stopped taking it, my um, OBGYN had said that I need to stop taking it before I can know whether or not, you know, I'm um, actually going into menopause or not. So when I stopped taking it, probably at least for a year, yep, it was almost a year pretty much, the effects of it, because it was so abruptly, and plus I had been on for so long, so my body, so my body knew. So once I stopped taking it, probably about a month or two after, that's when my um, hair started thinning. Not necessarily thinning, breaking, breaking. That's really what it did, start breaking. Like breaking as far as just say how uh, back then my hair was a lot longer in the front. Mm -hmm. And so like over a period of a couple of months or so, I just started noticing just kind of randomly, it started getting to where it was almost like breaking off into almost a bang. Mm -hmm. So then I had to pretty much just, you know, trim it like a bang at the time. And then over throughout that year, 
it took my hair forever to mm. the texture change um the everything changed it was just unbelievable so but long story short so over the months as i started reading more and more about different things and you know trying to balance my hormones cuz that's the key Mm-hmm. That's the key is trying to balance these hormones. So those are all the books, you know, you and I have been reading, balancing hormones, balancing hormones. So just say probably around the eighth or ninth month or so, when I had gotten into, you know, different foods to eat, to balance, I started noticing like the texture of my hair was coming back like to its norm. And then I started noticing my hair, you know, finally started coming to rebound and start to like, you know, actually grow. I, I know that our listeners notice that, that there are only two of us instead of three. Right. And I, I didn't want to start the show off like this, but I, I wanted to let our listeners know that our dear friend, Paula Ann, passed away November the 8th from COVID-19. And so I, I wanted to, to let you all know that that is the reason why uh, she is not taking part in, in this for us. And with that said, I just want to say to our listeners, please take this serious, wear a mask. And my next thing that I wanted to bring up is this also brought into question about grieving. And I know, mm-hmm. Joyce, one time you had said, you read where when a person is in is stressed, that also brings on hot flashes. Uh, especially if they're in their menopause period, that right. stress can bring on hot flashes. And and I was discussing with you about how I I wasn't able to grieve in tears, but my body was wreaking havoc. I mean, hot flashes at night, pain in my joints, not being able to sleep. And I literally said, God, help me to grieve. And to release it because my body was was being attacked. Mm-hmm. And I spoke with you about it. And I, 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 one of the things you shared, and I'm going to let you share that, if you would, about the way you were able to grieve when, when um, you lost your loved one, what you did. What stress does, it raises cortisol. That's a big one with menopause. So once everyone starts to read, they'll be able to see, you know, on their journey of reading that cortisol is, is, is called our fight or flight because it's what our bodies do. It's like we get in fight or flight mode. So that's, that's really what's happening. And once we get into fight or flight mode, it's like immediately practically our um, hormones are like, thrown into imbalance almost immediately. But anyway, some of the things that I did when I lost a loved one many years ago, um, I always loved at a young age, I always loved um, romantic uh, movies. Not necessarily romantic comedies, but romantic uh, dramas. Mm -hmm. So once my um, late husband way back passed away suddenly, what I, I would do, because my kids were really young then. They were only two and six. So back then, I used to put them to bed really early around eight. So what I would do after I put them to bed, I would reserve that time like for my crying or whatever. And so I knew from past um, history that I really um, cried lots and lots, like almost sobbing when I watched romantic dramas. 
So that was like one of the things that I did for myself to nurture myself, to help myself really grieve and get my, um, get all the, I call it a cleansing, to cleanse. So every night I would get my snack or whatever, go to my room, relax, almost like I was like on a picnic or something. I would sit down on the floor and relax. And then I would watch movie after movie, you know, until I was, I was at the point back then is when we had um, videotapes, which is interesting, like blockbusters been so long right. ago. So yeah. I would go like every week, I would have my list of whatever I was going to choose, pick up my movies or whatever. So that in the evening, I would be able to just sit and just cleanse, just cry. And I would cry. I would probably sit there for at least two and a half to three to four hours just to cry and get it all out. And every night, every night, oh my goodness, it made me feel so much better to just be able to just, you know, cry and get it all out. And that probably went on for nearly anywhere from say nine to 12 months. Mm -hmm. But I knew I wanted, I I knew, I knew myself, I had to get it all out. Mm -hmm. That it, and it kept me from really like, as my mom used to say, I'm waiting for you to break. I'm waiting for you to break. Mm -hmm. That's what kept me from like being out or wherever, whether I was out at kids extracurricular or whatever, or telling someone about my um, husband's death and how I dealt with it. That's how I was able to not say like break down and cry and sob because mm-hmm. I was, I was going through this cleansing, like on my own, in my own space by myself, you know, in the evening time. What I learned was I kept trying to think I was supposed to grieve is in breaking down crying, but it, it wouldn't come. Mm-hmm. And mind you, it's still early and I understand I'm still dealing with it, but something had to trigger it. And so when I called her mom, to my surprise, when I heard her mom's voice, I just broke down crying. And I and, and instead of just receiving it, that, okay, now you're releasing I kept apologizing to her mom. I'm so sorry. I was, I didn't mean to break that. And her mom was consoling me. And, and mm-hmm. I, the purpose for my call was to console her. Right. Her mom was consoling me. And it was only a short period of time, but it still helped. But what I realized is I, I kept, like I said, I kept trying to think in my mind that I was going to be thinking about her and then grieve. But, but grieving it's just like you said, you watch movies, it's just getting it out of your system. And so mm-hmm. I had to find something that would trigger me to grieve like that and, and think of something said, which is difficult for me right now because I, I you know, I'm past that journey. It was so much happening in my life that it that I just I'm not quick to cry about things. But what I realized is that it it takes place in my body, in my mm-hmm. head. And I was thinking about my son and I finally called him. And when he answered the phone, I just cried. And I realized he's a safe place for me, you know? And, mm-hmm. and then I felt bad because I felt this is my son. He's young. It's, it's, I shouldn't do that to him. But he was more concerned because he does. He knows if I'm crying, it's real serious, you know? Right. And so when I explained that to him and he talked to me and he was just so kind and, and, and so gentle, and I felt better, but I tell you, that was the best night's sleep that I got. Yeah, so I want to say thank you. Thank you for um, this follow-up. And as always, I 
want to ask you to give us some words of encouragement. Let's see. Um, right now we're in the uncharted waters right now with this pandemic. I was just speaking with my husband the other day and I said, oh my goodness, do you realize soon it will be a year? Because I remember this pandemic became full blown as we know it, so to speak, around my birthday, around mid-March or so. Mm-hmm. And so I said, soon it's going to be a year that we're in the U.S. of A. We've been literally um, walking in a pandemic, mm-hmm. which is something hasn't really happened in the States where it's full blown since I think it was influenza way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just like I say, it's uncharted waters. My encouragement would be is that to really, really, let's really just, I would say, my my prayer is, is that we learn, is that we learn as much as we possibly can from this experience into where we become better people as far as humanity goes Mm -hmm. that would be my prayer and Mm -hmm. I think about us women you know dealing with menopause and how you know coming up I know like um like our age group coming up our moms our moms weren't able to share as much because I mean it wasn't just common to know as much so I know now we're in this we're just in this uh space in the land of information 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 so my mm-hmm. encouragement would be to really do ourselves learn to nurture ourselves mm-hmm. and part of that nurturing is really start reading i don't care if you don't like to read a lot of us don't i love mm-hmm. to but a lot mm-hmm. of women don't i mm-hmm. would say even to those who don't really love to read i would say if you only dedicate 20 to 30 minutes a week if that's, you know, if that's what it takes to get started in order to start on your journey of reading about, you know, different foods that you need to eat to balance your hormones, things like that. Or like I said earlier, if it means, you know, seek out a nutritionist, you know, that's, that's even better if that's the way you want to, you know, go. So um, that will be my encouragement and my prayer. Well, one of the things I want to add to that, especially when we're talking about the younger generation or for people that don't like to read or don't feel they have time to read, mm-hmm. there are so many um, podcasts and YouTube videos yes. that are 20 minutes long, 30 minutes long that have this same information. Anything you look up now, that's true. Final. So while you're driving and riding in your cars, you can listen to podcasts while you're at home relaxing dinner or whatever. You can listen to a YouTube video and all of these. Um, the, all of these can be found on your phone and the apps are free. To right. That's to a good point. So, mm-hmm. so information is there. Even a quick Instagram post, a few minutes of something, yes. to, to how to prepare something. It's all there. So, so let's get this information. And, uh, and for, uh, for Paula Ann's um, uh, words of encouragement, I'm going to let her replay her her own words and Mm -hmm. just ask you all 
to please take it serious. Make sure you tell your families that you love them. Um, you know, Paula was in the hospital only a little over three weeks. We never saw it coming. And so thank you, Joyce. You're welcome. Um, all right. And thank you to the listeners. Whatever we are going through, somebody else has been through and they survived it. But yes. while you're going through anything, find some good out of it. Smile through it. Mm-hmm. 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 Good in everything and everybody then went. It's the Bible says nothing new underneath the sun. sun. So mm-hmm. everybody has been through something significant to what you're going through. Mm-hmm. They live through it. Mm-hmm. I think the young generation think everything is they feel like they're gonna die if this happens. But we need to realize that we're okay. Yeah. God got us. Mm-hmm. We can get through it. Mm-hmm. And find some some peace or a smile, just like a rainbow goes across when it's uh, when it's raining. Mm-hmm. Find some peace through that storm, mm-hmm. whatever it is mm-hmm. called life. Now I'm with Miss Rebecca Keys and her lovely daughter Hannah Luway from our October podcast, Cutting Apron Strings and Van Living. What are they doing now? Hello, ladies. Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good. It's been good. What have we been up to? <laughs> We've been up to a lot. We've been up to a lot. Been in many yes, other so, states. So that's what I want to know. Take us to where you've been since we last spoke with you in October. Well, we've been, so when we were, when we talked to you, we hadn't gone into Glacier National Park. So we spent a week exploring and camping in Glacier National Park. And then we went down to Yellowstone and through there, then we split off for a little bit doing different things. I went to Moab and then you went to- I went to Black Canyon of the Gunnison in Northern Colorado and then into New Mexico. Yeah, I visited with some friends in New Mexico and then we met up again in Albuquerque because I had to get my brakes changed. Yeah. And then we've been back together since then. Now we're in Texas. We're in San Antonio, Texas now. So I saw some of your videos. Mm-hmm. First of all, I like the banana. Uh, where were you when you all <laughs> did that? We were in Carlsbad. I saw it. So tell, tell, the, tell the listeners about that. You and your uh, mom. So in the video, we just did a little short snippet where... We were like pretending to be cowgirls. Yeah. <laughs> do a standoff. And so we were in Carlsbad, uh, not California, Carlsbad, New Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. And we were just, we were just being silly. We were being silly. But it's so beautiful there. We went to the Carlsbad uh, Caverns uh-huh. and it was really one of the most yeah. beautiful places I've ever been. We got to go in a cave. Yeah. It, the cave. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was just amazing. And so another video I saw, you all were covered in snow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so where were you then? Uh, we were a little south of Albuquerque. Yeah. On some BLM land, some um, Bureau of Land Management land. land. Yeah. We were there for about a week. We had just arrived and we knew that there was a storm coming and we didn't think that there would be snow, though. We kind of thought that, it would be well, that much snow. That much snow, at least. It was yeah. really cool. There was like six to eight inches, yeah. something like that. And it, we decided well, to stay there instead of um, going into a city because it was going to snow no matter where we were, mostly. 
unless we drove like eight hours. Yeah. There was a lot. It was, just, it was just better to stay there. It was very, very cold. And so what do you do for heat? Well, we don't have any heat sources currently. We get under our blankets with our dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So now let me ask you, where are you headed next? We are headed to the Gulf Coast. We're going to camp out on the beach there. There's lots of good spots over there. And there's the um, Padre Island National Seashore that not many people explore. So we decided that would be something fun to do. So you make know? sure you do a video for us. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, and now Rebecca, let me ask you, how long has it been now since you've been doing the van living? Um, it's been just a little over a year now. November wow. 1st was my one year anniversary. <laughs> when was your one year anniversary? November 1st. Oh, okay. Congratulations. And you. and you and you made up your mind you want to continue for right now. Definitely. Oh yeah. I love this lifestyle. It's just free and wow. I've got the open road ahead of me, you know. There's Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And and how is your son? He's doing okay. He's kind of struggling actually. He's looking for a new place to live right now. Oh. And it's hard, you know, times are really hard. It's hard to find an affordable place as a young person. Right. Right. And he's really struggling with his school online. He's probably going to end up taking a gap year because it's just too challenging to figure out, not figure out, I mean, he's technologically brilliant, but right, right. it's just hard doing online classes, you know, and feeling like it's valuable because nowadays, like his generation, they learn things on YouTube, you know? Right. So right, he's telling exactly. me, mom, it's like watching YouTube videos. He's like, why am I paying all of this money to do that? As a mom, what are you saying to him? I'm encouraging him to take a gap year because I don't think, since it's not seeming to be beneficial for him right yes. now, I think that it's better for him to focus on other things that he loves. You know, he really loves skateboarding. He loves music, making music. Yeah, so I've just encouraged him to, you know, kind of focus on those things and take a break and that it's okay, you know, it's okay, especially under the circumstances. Right. One other question, I know the holidays are coming up and, and we're all being wise and encouraged not to be in large gatherings, but as you all are traveling on the road, you two are together. What are you planning to do for Thanksgiving? Oh, well, by then we'll be on the seashore, so we're not going to go visit any family members or anything. Yeah. It's just not safe to do that, we think, so yeah. we're just going to hang out along the coast. And we're not really big celebrators yeah, of big the holidays, um, right, right. so it's not like a huge thing. We're trying to get Alex out to us yeah. um, over like the Christmas and New Year's weeks so that we can all be together. We're going to rent an Airbnb. Oh, Okay. So we okay. can all be together, yeah, for the holidays. That's kind of a new tradition now. <laughs> right. I mean, we've always been together, but like in different locations, you know? Right, um, right. So it's a challenge, isn't it, for everybody yes. this year? Yes. I am um, inspired by just the whole mindset, okay? The entire mindset of what you two are doing. What would you say to someone that's leaning that way Maybe they just want to do it for a few months, but they're not quite sure. What would you say to them? And, and I'm going to start with you, Rebecca, and then ask um, Hannah to say something. Give them some 
encouraging words? Um, I think for people who are kind of on the, but like the cusp of wanting to do it or like they're dreaming about doing it, I think that evaluating what your end goal is, you know, do you want to be free of the burden of rent? And do you, um, are you able to, obviously is a big thing. Are you able to take your job virtual or, you know, that kind of thing? Um, because that's what I do. I'm a virtual assistant, so I'm able to be on the road and make an income and afford, you know, the lifestyle I have, which is really not expensive. You know, my, my expenses are really low. Mm. Um, but I would say even if you wanted to do it for a few months, rent an RV, you know, right. rent an RV, even, even if you can't afford to rent it for a few months, rent an RV for a couple of weeks and just see if you like it. Yeah. You know, you might just fall in love with it and be like, yep, this is what I want to do. Or you might say, oh, no, I could never do this. You know, that would be my advice is just to try it for a couple weeks. You know, Hannah, what what would you say to someone who's like mom said is on the cusp of doing it, but not really certain that that's what they want to do? Well, I second what you say, but then adding to that, I would say, what are you going to lose if you just jump in and give it a try? You know, that's how I was thinking about it when I started. I was like, what would I lose? I would probably lose like time maybe, but I can sell the van again. You can sell your RV. It's a, lots of people are doing it and want vans and RVs. So it's a good market. So mm -hmm. you're not losing out on anything. I think if anything, you're gaining an experience and you're figuring out what you actually want in life and what you would actually want to do for your life you know a lifestyle so yeah I just say jump right in and um, you'll learn a lot from just even trying it out um, for yeah, a bit you don't have very much to lose I think because you've gotten rid of all of your stuff <laughs> <laughs> so you, don't, you, you sold all your stuff lose. so you have nothing to lose <laughs> uh, yeah this is so good thank you both thank you for your time you're welcome, and yeah, you're welcome. I look forward to seeing what's going to happen next year. Uh, Rebecca, can you tell us how we can follow you, especially if we need a virtual assistant, how people can get in touch with you? And then, Hannah, I'd like for you to give me your contact information. Okay. Sure. My my website is uh, keysvirtualassistance.com. Um, I can be found there. You know, there's the contact page. So anybody that's interested can kind of see what um some of the services that i provide and can get into in touch with me that way um right. or uh, my email is um uh, keys virtual assistance at gmail.com and you can find me at adventure time louie l-o-u-i louie on instagram and on youtube great thank you ladies thank you, yeah, thank you. it was great hey, great. yeah great day now Hello again, and now for our November podcast update. If you recall, in November, I spoke with attorney Cindy Nelson from Nelson Elder Care Law. Cindy shared with us the importance of preparing for family care. I received so many questions and so many, I didn't know that, or comments of, I didn't know that. And I received them from people in different states. So I just referred them 
to Cindy's office. I did reach out to Cindy for a follow-up and she sent this information to me that she'd like to share with you. This is a recent situation that just occurred. She said, this is about a 23 year old who just graduated with her undergrad degree from UGA. She is applying for acceptance into med school. She is working part-time to save some money. She lives with her father and her younger sister who is 17. Her father has raised the two girls. While the mother lives locally, the girls do not have a relationship with her. On Saturday evening, the father and the youngest daughter were home. The dad fell asleep in his chair. When the younger daughter went to wake dad up, he didn't wake. Of course, she called 911. At 49 years old, he had died. He had not been sick, so this was a complete shock. You can imagine the horror this 17-year-old will live with for the rest of her life. However, what happens next is eagerly horrific. The girls came to see me on Monday morning, the morning before Thanksgiving. Dad's parents are still alive, mom's in California, and dad's in Alaska. He also has a sister in California. They are not close to any of them. They are alone. While grieving their dad, they also have to worry about how do they pay for a memorial for him? They have no access to his bank accounts or any assets. Can they stay in his house at least until the 17-year-old graduates high school in May? Where would they go and how would they pay for it if they can't stay in the house? What do they do about paying the bills, buying groceries, paying for gas and necessities? They were both on his medical insurance coverage. Would they still have medical insurance? What happens to the 17-year-old if the mother comes back in the picture and wants her to move back to mom's house? Does the 17-year-old have any legal rights without going through a court battle? Unfortunately, these girls are going to be required to go through the probate court process before they will be able to find out anything about the amount of assets their father had or be able to use any of those assets because the father they loved dearly and who cherished them didn't have any legal plan in place. The probate court process typically takes six to nine months in Georgia. What do they do in the interim? She says, I wanted to share this with you for a few reasons. First, because you probably have many listeners in this age group who can relate. If we can save even one family from going through this, my heart will be happy. Second, I know most people don't ever think this will happen to them. So I want them to know that it happens every day and we can't be sure it won't be us. Third, I know this father adored his daughters and they thought he would, he hung the moon. Now, unintentionally, he has left a legacy of horror and trauma. For more information about Nelson Elder Care Law, you can contact their office at 678-250-9355 or visit their website, nelsoneldercarelaw.com. You can also follow them on YouTube and Facebook. I want to thank all of you for listening. Please visit my website, encouragingparenting.com.
There you can submit your future discussion requests. Also, share the podcast with others and remember to click subscribe. I wish you all a very safe and Merry Christmas.